0: This is The Thrive Podcast with Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church, and now, Pastor Fred Jeff Smith. Hello. Welcome to another Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very, very delighted and happy to have a wonderful young lady, a powerful voice in the Baton Rouge and the greater Baton Rouge community, Ms. Latangela Faye Sherman, as my guest. How are you today?
1: I am great, and thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I can't even tell you how excited I am to be across this table to speak with you today.
0: Uh, make me feel good. Thank you. Um, let's start with just getting a basic, and I know other people know your story. Share with those who might not know what is Latangela's story?
1: Um, well, I am born and raised right here in Baton Rouge. Um, I, <laughs> I work for Cumulus Media, I'm the production director and an on air personality singer, songwriter, and community outreach coordinator for a lot of different um, organizations. Mm-hmm. Try to stay active as possible, um, and yet find my way, whatever that may be. You know, So every day I, I, I say a prayer, and I ask God to order my steps, and to help me be effective and to serve my purpose. Um, so I, I do my best to link and be mentored by the right people, find some of the youth that's going to make a difference and become a mentor to them, Mm -hmm. and to keep up with them, to see what's going on, and and I really wanna be the change that I wanna see in the world, Mm -hmm. so I work on that daily.
0: You're also a singer. Yes, sir. Uh, I listen to you quite often uh, when you put something out there on either Instagram or Facebook. And uh, I found out that you're an author. I did not (laughs) know until you gifted me with this uh, book of motivation, wisdom, and inspiration. And I very much appreciate it. And for those who are watching via YouTube, pick up her book, Latangela Faye Sherman, A to Z, Lord Let It Define Me. Thank you. Uh, That's wonderful. So... (laughs) Your roots are in the church. Your grandfather was a pastor. Did I get that right?
1: Yes, sir. Pastor Jesse Lafayette Sr. He was a pastor for years. Um, and my first field trip outside of the house was to the church house. Okay. So they brought me home on a Sunday. The next Sunday, I was at church. <laughs> did the first solo at the age of three. Yes, my grandmother ma'am. made the dress. Mom did the plaits. My grandfather taught me my words. <laughs> Off the church we go. Yes, ma'am. You know, And just been active in the church ever since. It's, it's all I know.
0: So... Even though you are a recognized personality uh, in the music world of, of Baton Rouge and greater Baton Rouge, and I see that you're also in places, Mississippi, Alabama, other places around the country. I've seen you uh, at the Apollo Theater. Yes, sir. I, I, I caught that also. <laughs> but you still make your way to the church.
1: Oh, yes, sir. Tell
0: me, how do you balance that? Or, or is it difficult to balance?
1: You know, it? that's not the balance. That's the source. You know, I understand that wherever I am, God has ordained me to be there. He has me there for a purpose. I have never auditioned for any position that I've been in. Um, Even when it came down to radio Mm -hmm. on the 18th of April, it'll make 21 years for me as an on-air personality. Um, I went to Baton Rouge High, and there I wanted to be a part of their radio program, right? And I was all excited about it. It was down to two electives, swimming or radio. Okay. I'm not about to play around with y'all in this war, so (laughs) let's try this radio. I like to talk, see what they're talking about. Okay. And they told me no. Really? Yeah, and I said, what you mean? Same thing, I said, really? (laughs) Um, I found out the class wasn't full, it was just No. Well, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to the real radio station. Mm-hmm. I'm 14, talking out of turn. But God heard me, and he understood that if she wanted to try it, let her try it. The next week, um, the rapper, Master P, was holding open auditions for the Partners in Peace Teen Talk Show. Okay. I showed up having little topics ready, mm-hmm. auditioned. They asked me to host the show. Then later, they asked me to produce the show, mm-hmm. and I just fell in love with it. You know, opening a line of communication, and it was a teen talk show for us by us, and mm-hmm. things that we were dealing with: peer pressure. Um, I guess you could say the bullying at the time, cyberbullying wasn't so bad, mm-hmm. but bullying on the on the schoolyards was still an issue. Yes, ma'am. Um, you know, and just different things that we would talk about, giving the adults a chance to hear us out mm-hmm. and to really listen, but always bring in an expert or somebody who could speak on our behalf and give us the right and wrong. This is how you go about it. Always wanted to just help and be the voice of those who may have questions and just maybe a little too shy to ask. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, let me ask you this. As someone who keeps the lines of communication open with younger people, do you find that their concerns are drastically different from your own or from people who are older than you, or do you find that they parallel one another?
1: I think we don't give them enough credit. They see things the way that we do, mm-hmm. um, maybe even with untainted eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, And we just don't expect them to give us the deep answers that they have or the concerns. Um, Just two weeks ago, I did a youth panel, and it was a third grader that stood up and said, well, how do you feel about the teachers having a gun in the classroom? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, tell me how do you feel? I I had to flip it real quick. You're in the classroom every day. Well, I really want her to just teach me my lesson, but I don't want anybody to kill us while we're trying to learn. Mm um and we had the police chief there and she challenged him. Well, what are y'all going to do about it? She didn't know how to put it in the correct terms as the political leaders might. Mm-hmm. She asked him, "So what do you plan to do to fix this?" Mm-hmm. You know, and those are the questions that third graders are asking. So they're paying attention to the news. But who's asking them, "How do you feel about this? Are you scared to go to school?" Uh, would you mind if your teacher had a gun? Mm-hmm. They deal with the teachers every day. Mm-hmm. Would you trust your teacher with a gun? Right. You know? Right. Interesting. Uh, so
0: it's your experience that even though they might be younger, they are aware, they are in tune. They are with what's going on. That's fascinating to me, because uh, one of the things that I am challenged by is that I see too many young young people are just brilliant. I, I think that they're <laughs> far more uh, along at their ages than we were at our ages, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. But I also have concerns because uh, they don't disseminate information the same way that we do. Right. They don't read the newspaper. Uh, they don't watch the 5 o'clock or the 6 o'clock news. So if they have information, as you are telling me they have, my next question would be where are they getting the information from?
1: Social media. If you give a two-year-old a tablet, mm-hmm. they'll show you how to unlock it and find codes that you didn't even know existed. They can get to it, and it's a source of information that's at the tip of their fingers. And we don't pay attention most of the time to what they're getting. But mm-hmm. on social media, even if you see um, the major media outlets they're giving you what's going to get the most hashtags and retweets Mm -hmm. so it may not be the most positive news that you're going to get Mm -hmm. so by the time it reached the internet the Instagram the Facebook the Twitter alerts it's a school fight that took off with world star hip hop versus
0: I've watched some of these uh, videos where where they put videos of (laughs) fights and and nobody's stopping to break up the fight but they're videoing the fights that take place at school what do you
1: mean we're going to get retweeted for this and if I'm the one that gives it to you first, it's the right person fighting, I get paid for it. And then I become a reliable source. Why would I stop them from fighting?
0: So they're getting paid to video these fights.
1: Right. And then the bad part is they don't understand that. So now the ones who don't understand that, they're doing it for free. So now you're just catching on to, to one person who's getting paid to be this media outlet mm-hmm. and a stream of revenue for them. Mm-hmm. Because if you do it for free and we get your video and we post it— It's our site that's going to get the hits. We're going to generate the revenue for it, but thanks.
0: Well, as a media person, are you concerned that the information that young people are getting in that it's unfiltered and through social media, are you concerned that there is... An intended bias in the information that they're receiving. In other words, they're not receiving the full story. I hate to borrow from Fox. I hate Fox. Uh, <laughs> but but it's not a balanced story. It's, it's, it's one person's point of view. Is that right. a concern of yours?
1: That's almost like the truth. Three sides to it. Mm-hmm. Yours, mine, and theirs. Okay. Um, and I think we just have to dig a little deeper to find what source of the truth we want. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of times we get a certain truth and we grab to that little bit, and we like it enough, mm-hmm. so we'll take that and we'll run with that instead of bothering to figure out the other side of the story, you know? And then that becomes the trending topic, and mm-hmm. then that becomes the norm. Then it becomes the fact, and we forget that there's another point of view from mm-hmm. it as well. Mm-hmm.
0: So, you work for Cumulus uh, Broadcaster. Yes. And as a radio personality and as a media person and as a journalist. Do you consider yourself a journalist? Because I watch certain people on television, and they say, I'm not a journalist, I'm a pundit. So tell me, (laughs) Latangela, are you a journalist? Are you a pundit? How would you define your role within media?
1: I have a happy medium in there, because I always give them the source. Mm -hmm. So you can't get mad at me for it. I didn't go out here and dig up the news and the information. I'm only telling you what I've read. And I'll give you the bullet points of it. The meat Mm -hmm. and potatoes, so if you want the garnish, here's the site where you can go to find out more information for yourself. Or you can also find it here. I'm just a source of information for you. Mm -hmm. So I I try to stay on top of it. And I think that I don't represent just one side of the fence. So Mm -hmm. I have to at least be open-minded enough to be able to say, well, this is what's going on on this end and maybe this triggered that. But for more information, Log on to—it could be Fox, it could be CNN, WFB, it could be BR Proud. Mm-hmm. Wherever I find it, I'm going to tell you, because I want you to open that book. You know, just almost like the newspaper. Um, I created a, a feature on my show, the Did You Know News Brief, because I understand that my targeted demographic is 18 to 34-year-old women. Okay. They may not have the time to read the newspaper every day. Okay. So if there's a did you know news brief of something that's important, whether it's a school closure or job hiring, I I find that information for them and I become that newspaper. Okay. But I don't create the news. I just tell you the news.
0: I understand. I, I'm just concerned that I I have a a proper appreciation For where you see yourself within this whole dynamic, I watch a lot of cable news, primarily MSNBC. Right. Uh, uh,
1: I do a a lot of good. Almost never Fox. Right. Uh, Fox (laughs) is
0: like the evil news. It's almost
1: like you've got to watch it to see. Well, what's next? Well, when
0: I was younger, I used to do. I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh because I I said I wanted to know what the other side was thinking. What I came to find out is that they don't think at all. They just they they spout uh, predetermined gibberish. Right. Uh, all That's day a good long. way to put it. I like that. Uh, uh, but uh, I do find it interesting how people categorize themselves. Some people call themselves journalists. And by that, they mean one thing. Mm-hmm. And other people say, well, I'm not a journalist. I am a pundit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by that, they're, they're trying to draw a line of demarcation between what they perceive a journalist does versus what a pundit does or what a, uh, a radio or television personality does. Right. It's a language that I don't necessarily understand, so I need somebody who's within that world uh, to give me clarification as to what that means.
1: And then if you catch them three weeks later, they'll be the other that they said they weren't. You know? So you just have to watch them. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to what they say, okay. and, and they'll show you. People Consistency, they don't have enough of it. That's why they come up with so many different titles. I see. I have to pick a title that fits me today because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be consistent to what I was yesterday.
0: <sighs> In Baton Rouge. We have two major uh, broadcast outlets, WAFB, WBRZ. You also have uh, Channel 33 and Fox 44, uh, which I call minor markets. Uh, They've never been able to get in and grab the lion's share of uh, news media. Uh, What's your opinion as a professional? of news media in Baton Rouge, I'm not asking you to call out anybody, I'm not asking you to to name any names. What's your opinion? If I asked you to give a letter grade to media in Baton Rouge, broadcast media in Baton Rouge, what would your letter grade be, generally?
1: Letter grade, as far as broadcasting and getting information across, you know, I'd play it safe and give it a B. Okay. I'd play it safe and give it a B, because now I see that um, they are trying to be more tech savvy. I see sometimes it gets sloppy, Um, but as far as the actual content, I see that they are trying to grab more content that would actually grab the masses. Um, I do give them credit for not being so opinionated in their stories, but they do pick which stories that they're going to reach who they want to reach and tell the side of the story that they want to tell. And the way that they highlight it is a little differently. Mm-hmm. So I'll show you one side of it, and I give you a great interview with this person that's going to articulate their point of view, and that's who I'm going to choose to represent this side of the story. Right. And then I'll show you the angry side of it, who very well have a good point, but they just do it differently. Mm-hmm. More emotions are involved in it. It kind of changes it, the perspective of the story itself. Emotions get involved, and we know how to... Um, how to paint that picture for you to make you see what i want you to see
0: yeah i've lived in baton rouge almost all my life i spent a few years down in new orleans but i'm born and raised here no mm-hmm. baton rouge like the back of my hand it has always been frustrating to me to see how uh the definition of north and south has changed uh over the years mm-hmm. north baton rouge is perceived to be the bad part of Baton Rouge, South Baton Rouge, and southeastern Baton Rouge, getting toward Ascension and Livingston Parish, that's considered to be the the better part of Baton Rouge. Whenever there's a crime that takes place in what they they have now labeled as North Baton Rouge, so when I was a kid, Glen Oaks wasn't North Baton Rouge. Glen Oaks was Glen Oaks. Right. Zion City was Zion City. Now everything north of Florida Boulevard is North Baton Rouge. And when you paint it with that broader stroke and people hear North Baton Rouge, North Baton Rouge, North Baton Rouge, North Baton Rouge robbery, North Baton Rouge rape, North right. Baton Rouge murder, North Baton Rouge gang shooting or gang activity, uh, to me, media is responsible for painting a picture that says that everything north of Florida Boulevard is terrible. Now, granted, Things have changed over the span of time, and North Baton Rouge, there is a clear difference between economic development north of Florida right. and economic development south of Florida, but that does not translate into everything that is in North Baton Rouge to be terrible.
1: It doesn't, um, but is it the media that has labeled it or has um, stretched out the actual territories though, you know? Have they been given that information?
0: If you tell them that Glen Oaks is not near Southern University. Because when WBRZ comes on with there was a shooting near Southern University, tune in tonight. And then you find out that it's in Glen Oaks. Glen <laughs> Oaks ain't near Southern <laughs> University.
1: Right. Oh, okay. I get you. These I are see kinds what you're of saying. things
0: that 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 I find problematic. Right. And it paints a negative picture it drives down property values it It does it it makes it very difficult for businesses that might want to invest in 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 north baton rouge how place has yet to fill out how place has been trying to fill out its development for the last 25 years and they haven't been able to do it because you won't find business people who will invest invest in in that that part of town because it's painted with such a broad stroke that everything up there is just terrible right and then people who are there, many of them are older people. I was raised in North Bednarooch. I was raised in Scotlandville. I was raised in Southern Heights. And, and I still have people, uh, parents primarily, uh, of the children that I played with that still live up there, mm-hmm. They're trapped up there, even if they wanted to leave, right. They, their homes are paid for. They can't afford to buy any place else. Uh, and so in order to get the goods and services that they want, just like everybody else wants, they have to be able to travel South, right into town or they have to go north into baker and zachary in order to find what they want because it's not in their area
1: even as far as it being labeled a food desert in some of those areas it not being able desert. to find right. a um a grocery store you know and then when you get a grocery store in that area you know because you have people that want to invest in it it becomes hard for them to stay afloat and to keep it there um you know so it's just like These are the things that we have to ask ourselves. How did everyone who's on a ballot allow it to get that way? Because if you look at everybody who runs for some type of office, they always have the same top 10 concerns. And whatever the same top 10 concerns may be, now I'm not going to pinpoint or call anybody out, Mm -hmm. but because it goes on for years and years and years, whatever position, whatever top 10 it is for them that they want to tackle, we're still the best of the worst as a state. You mm-hmm. know, so it, it doesn't happen overnight. How do we get here? And how do we start turning it around? Back to accountability. We see it. We understand it. But how do we change it? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just it's sad because once the people in the community start hearing it so much, it's almost like if you hear your dad, it wasn't nothing. You ain't gonna be nothing Absolutely. either. Your mama was trash. You gonna be trash too. Your grandmother said it and that's just, you know, so the more you hear it, the more you, you start to believe it and you really start feeling like all these odds are against you because you don't see a light at the end of the tunnel there mm-hmm. is no help there for you you can't even find a grocery store to get you something to eat or to find a job at you know so it, it's tough and people have a hard time adjusting and everybody's they, they're not looking for a handout they're looking for a hand to help right. them and it's hard right it's hard
0: if you can't keep a chicken stand open on harding boulevard
1: hello <sighs> you
0: know what, what 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 more do you need to say you're in the heart of of an african-american community and the kentucky fried chicken is closed right i had to go up there for a funeral yesterday kentucky fried is closed the churches is closed the blue store has closed
1: Uh uh-uh really not
0: not not the one on mills but the one that was on uh scotland avenue get out of here closed there's only Delpa's chicken shack now you've got a mcdonald's a jack-in-the-box and a delper chicken shack
1: we raised on the blue store, though. It's just like that—that's <laughs> the staple in the community. What you mean? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's troubling wow.
0: to me. Wow, that—that—that uh, that, that there is no economic development. And from a church standpoint, I'm—I'm I'm asking you, as a Christian, uh, how do you see, or what role do you see the church playing in in, in, in this kind of situation?
1: How real can we be?
0: I want you to be ab- <laughs> I don't want that's you why, to kick that, me that, out of church that's real. That's why I so. invited you. Here. I want you to be totally real.
1: I want as a whole for churches to stop turning a blind eye and a deaf ear. To stop acting as if we live in the perfect world because they'll go to church and you'll know what pastor is going to give you what message. So that's how we gravitate towards the churches we go to. We know who's going to let us do what We know who's not going to talk about us for doing this. Nobody's going to condemn us for acting out and doing the things that are hurting the community as a whole because we want the numbers in our church. Mm -hmm. So they don't tell us the word. If you just stick to the word and you hold everybody accountable, and everybody start doing a little bit different every single day, you'll see some difference in the kids. You'll see difference in the homes. You'll see difference in the parents. It, it'll give us more pride because we'll learn more as of who we are and back to the basics. We don't have that now. Churches are too much of a trend. It's too much of a trend, and it's it, it's becoming more so of a disappointment. I see more more flyers for services than people sending out the the message, the message. Mm-hmm. And then when I, I see the activities that they do, I'm like, well, you know what? That's real fly. That's real fly. But where's the substance? Mm-hmm. And that's just me. No. Thinking I, out loud. I
0: want that opinion.
1: And I don't knock anybody for how they approach their religion or how they approach— um their truth i just don't feel as if they're being as effective for the word as they are for the numbers and the coolness
0: have you spoken with pastors I, I know that you have the ear of pastors have you spoken with pastors about this i have uh, and expressed your concern and when you do without calling a name what's their general response to what you're saying
1: moms the word you know, no, nobody wants to rock their boat if it's working for them. <laughs> it works. It works. It's unfortunate. And, and you know, sometimes we, we have to do what we have to do to, uh, to approach people and make them comfortable to come to church. But you don't find them and leave them the way they are. Mm-hmm. You help them become better you, by teaching them the word, by showing and living by the example accountability. And I know that preachers are people, they're human, and they have, you know, um, a, a freedom to live. And, and, and we all want that. You know, I was raised in house with a pastor, mm-hmm. and he didn't get in the pulpit on Sunday saying something he didn't live Monday through Saturday. I understand? So my level of expectations for a pastor is, is a little different, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't see it through anybody else's eyes. that's just how I see it through mine. And I understand that generations have changed, but the word is still the same. Mm-hmm. And I just want people to want the word and want their people with that, because at the end of the day, that's all we have to stand on. Even when they say the laws aren't working in our favor, understand that it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. Whatever it is we're going through right now, Mm -hmm. where is your faith? Mm -hmm. How, How do you plan to pick yourself up and just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing and doing it the right way to make the real difference?
0: Personal responsibility and personal accountability is what I'm hearing you say, and sharing that within our church walls so that it can get out beyond our church walls. One of the dilemmas that, that I see uh, with the church and those who have been paying attention to the podcast know that I can be very critical of, of our house as well because I think that there are things that need to be fixed. But one of the problems that I see is that we find ourselves in competition with other groups uh, beyond the church for the attention of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a time, I'm old enough to remember, when Sunday you couldn't do anything else but go to church. There was nothing else that you could do. First of all, you were black, and so you were limited in what you could do because... Everything was not accessible to you. And second, if you came out of a church household, you wasn't doing nothing but going to church. Know how. (laughs) Nine o'clock for Sunday school, seven (laughs) o'clock for worship, five o'clock for BTU, six o'clock for worship. Again, you were in church all day. These days, we have two services. We have an eight o'clock service. We have an 11 o'clock service. When when my father, Charles Smith, started the eight o'clock service, it never dawned on him that the 8 o'clock service would be larger than the 11 o'clock service. Right. And it's because people love to be able to come at 8, be finished by nine thirty, and then they have the rest of their Sunday to do with as they please. And what do they do with that time? They go to their fraternal organizations, their sorority organizations. They belong to Jack and Jill. They belong to La Capital, and they belong to Top Ladies of Distinction. Mm-hmm. And, and they have all these other different groups. And these groups are in competition for the time and the talent and the dollars right right within our community because one of the one of the primary differences between black folk and white folk is that white folk have more discretionary income in general than black folk do right black folk it's an either or we're going to either spend money on this or, or we're going to spend money on that. We don't have enough discretionary income to say we can do both. both. So if I'm giving money to A.K.A. My wife is an A.K.A. That's why I picked that one. (laughs) If if I'm giving money to A.K.A., that's money that the church is never going to see. Mm -hmm. So in, in, in many cases, the church puts itself in competition with these other groups who serve a function. A different function from the church uh, in order to try to attract people and by attracting people, attract their dollars so that they can do ministry. Because as I'm very fond of saying, there is no ministry without money. Money is how ministry is done. That might sound crass to some people, but that's the way. That it works. You're worked. a resource to so, a body so, of
1: people that need help, and you so can't if, help them if, if with no money. Funds.
0: If, 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 if I see church money going to AKA yeah. or, to, or, or to Omega or to Jack and Jill, I'm sitting there saying, "What? What can I do?" To, and 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 so then we find ourselves doing these activities that you say you see flyers for that have nothing to do with the word of the Lord.
1: But when I say the flyers and the activities, Mm -hmm. I mean the approach to the service itself the okay. church branching out doing other community activities and even for those organizations they may pull together and do some work that's geared towards helping the people and carrying out the Lord's work mm-hmm. I'm saying that the church should be a place to where they come and they learn the word yes and that's where they're being spiritually fed so by the time we do send them out with these other organizations they represent the church first through those organizations mm-hmm. I don't want the church being presented like the clubhouse, to where I'm just coming here for a good time we're right. just gonna party a little bit we're not gonna learn anything right. we we're gonna come as we are and nobody's gonna tell us anything about our ways right. and then we're gonna roll out you know right. that that's the approach I was talking about. And
0: and I agree with you. Yeah. I, I see it the way you see it. I guess what, what what I'm trying to give is is what I heard you say a moment ago is the backstory. That there's a there's a a reason why we are approaching church the way that many of us are. We 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 see People choosing other other places, mm-hmm. we see people choosing other churches. You know, one, 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 one of my huge peeves is black folk who go to white churches. Uh, uh, you know, when 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 I when I run across somebody and they tell me, well, I go to Bethany or I go to Healing Place, and 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 I, th- th- there is a part of me that just automatically cringe. shuts down. No, it doesn't grin. No, it shuts down.
1: Okay. <laughs> it just
0: shuts down because. To me, what you are saying is, I cannot abide under black leadership. One of the very few institutions we have where there is black leadership is the black church. Now, you don't don't see black leadership in almost any other capacity. But you're comfortable under white leadership in churches that will not meet your holistic need.
1: Did they ever say why? I
0: get the word there. I get the word there, which is a further insult to me because it's it, it insinuates that you're getting something less than the word here,
1: and I'm not. And maybe a and maybe and maybe not here.
0: Everybody, right? But but when you say that to me,
1: right. I take
0: that. You, you mm-hmm. didn't talk about my mama, my grandmama, yeah. my great-grandmama. I take offense... But see, to, maybe to
1: they haven't been here to get this type of word because everybody potato salad is a little different. Mm-hmm. So maybe they went to another club type approach and they didn't like it, and that wasn't the word they were looking for. So somebody made the potato salad with mayonnaise versus mustard. Somebody threw celery in there. So they, they're still trying to find their way to find their version of the word that they like, their version of that the potato salad. So you can't cringe or shut down on them. You can only invite them.
0: There is a tendency among African. I, I want you to. What I'm, I'm not asking you to agree. I, I, I just want you to respond to what, I'm, to what I'm about to say.
1: Can I blink once or twice? <laughs> <laughs> blink once, but yes, yep, twice, but you no. You got to say something okay. for the podcast.
0: Mm. That, 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 that there is a, a tendency among African-American people to be mistrustful of one another. If I have a bad experience with a white business owner, mm-hmm. I will go to a different white business owner. If I have a bad experience with a black business owner, I will never go to a black business again. I will take my dollars, my influence, and I will go, I will cross the street and go over, well, why do we tell our children to go out and be doctors and lawyers and accountants and architects and scientists, and then when the black doctor messes up, because we've got some black doctors that mess up, when the black doctor messes up we 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 then say i'm not so that's why i don't go to black doctors cuz they don't know That's we, the blanket we talk the ourselves and just as that has been true with black doctors and black lawyers and black accountants and black architects it is also true for many people mm-hmm. with the african american church All right and they have crossed the street and they have gone to uh Bethany and healing, but well, I ain't just picking on them. But those are the first two that come to my mind. They, they've gone that way, and 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 when they need help,
1: oh oh, see when
0: they see, need no look, I was gonna respond before when you started need this. Power <laughs> turn back on when, when 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 they need diapers for their babies,
1: somebody to check on their child, they're not gonna get it over there.
0: We'll pray for you. And, and if you need help, go by Shiloh Baptist Church and they might be able to help. That's what they're being told. They're being sent here for help. And then when they get the help, you know where they go back to? They go back to Bethany Healing Place. Now, I'm not asking you to agree or disagree. I'm just asking for a response.
1: It's hard to disagree when people state facts. You know, and then you'll always hear the blanket statement of, oh, you know, we were conditioned this way. Well, when do you stop that condition? You know, I mean, because I, I see it and I, and I understand it. And it's hard for us to support each other. Um, I, I get that a lot. You know, I'll sit here and I'll do whatever I can to help whoever, and whenever it's time for them to turn around and say thank you, They thank everybody else but the person who showed up to help them cut the lights on and stayed to help them clean it, you know. But I don't allow them to stop me from doing what it is that I'm supposed to do or let that affect the way that I treat the next person. Mm -hmm. I see it, I take it in stride, and I let them take their lick because they'll see it again. And now I know how to act accordingly with that individual or with that situation moving forward. It's unfortunate, um, very much so, but it's just we don't support each other the way that we should because we don't want to give credit to where credit is due mm-hmm. you know cuz when i start saying how great of a time i had at Shiloh, how much they helped me you know i'm giving you too much credit and we don't like to give each other credit and it's bad we don't do it for the applause we don't do it for the pat on the back right. but a thank you isn't so bad no. and don't just show up when you want something yes that that would be awesome too it really would che- you know check on the person who's going to check on you Make sure you pay your tithes when you come here. Don't just send your kid here like it's a babysitting service. Pay your tithes because we're giving you something. It's a part of your community. It's a part of your village. It's a part of those who really help nurture you in one way, shape, form, fashion, or another.
0: All right. Okay. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) Let me me turn the page.
1: And, uh, and, And just as I told you, my grandfather was a pastor, so it always... It disturbed me as a child growing up, sure. you know, to see how people in the church could act. That, that was one of my first lessons. Yeah. And I'm asking Popo, because that's how I talk to my pastor. I can't go to a church where I'm a number, you know, and we'll just know you and send you your tax forms and then we're done with right. you. That's the only time we need to talk or to correspond. No, Papa which is my pastor, I have a question that need an answer. I could talk to him now. So even now, with my pastor, he'll do a walk-by on the job. It was in my spirit. You were cutting up. Well, Reb, I cut up every day. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad to see you. I need those walk-bys. I need that personal relationship. So when I'm going through something in life, I can pick up the phone and call and say, listen, I'm having a hard time right now. I don't want to have to go through 30 assistants um, and tell you which section I sit in, you know, so I could pick a, a colored card to see, um, you know, which day of the week is my card to come in for No, that's, that's not what I need. You know, and we just have to find what works best for us. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're not in that point um, of, of their, their spiritual growth to where they understand sometimes you need a connection. Mm-hmm. And you need to be connected with somebody who's connected to God connected to Jesus connected to the truth the source because they're, they're not going to pick up the book and and be able to understand it the same way you do that scripture doesn't look the same to us if it's my first time seeing it yes I the mean I can read view, it the perspective is entirely different yeah yeah I mean I can read it I, I see what it says but I'm, not, I'm only going to read chapter 13 verses 1 through 2 Forget what happened in chapter 12. That's, that's the backstory. That's correct. That's the part of, of the soap opera <laughs> that we missed. Yeah. You know, so it's just about the relationship that they're longing for. Sometimes I just want to go to church to say I went. So sitting here and getting the word and going on about my life is all I want. You know, you might be the pastor that's asking too much. Accountability. You might want me to show up to Bible study every Sunday and you're going to notice if I don't come. Now that's pressure. I'm not here, I'm not equipped for that type of pressure, so I'm not coming. But they're not gonna tell you that. So,
0: accountability in, 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 in this generic person's mind, accountability is not a two-way street. You want me to be accountable, but you don't want to be held to accountability?
1: That's tough. It's easier for me to tell you to be accountable. It is, that's in everything we do in life. it's way easier for me to expect it from you than myself. Hmm. I have to put in some effort for that.
0: Alton Sterling. Yeah. Two years now, almost. Over 20 months since Mm. uh, the death, and we've gone through a federal investigation (laughs) that resulted in no charges. We've gone through a state investigation that resulted in no charges. And finally, the chief of police, Murphy Paul, uh, released the video and said that after viewing the video and conducting his own investigation, Blaine Salamone was terminated, Holly Lake was given a three-day suspension and returned to duty. Clearly, I have my opinion about it. I haven't been silent about it. I'm sure you have your opinion. I'm asking what is your thought about the way that this has all rolled out how is this being received and perceived within the Baton news community
1: and we can be real with each other yes. right even before that final tape was released we watched a true episode of how to get away with murder because at the end of the day If you stick with what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong, we saw an innocent man that should still be alive, but he was killed. And the way that it took so long for us to get information that we felt we were going to get anyway, it's bad that you already feel that you're going to get the response and the answers that you're going to get. That's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow. Because now what are you saying as a whole? Our lives mean what? Um, you could do this to us, and it's okay. um It takes somebody that long to say you're fired. Oh, you could do this, be a part of this, and it's a three day suspension. um What does that say to his family? What does that say to the next young little black boy that's standing outside? you know, and it's starting to happen more often than not? you know it's tough it's really, really tough, and I think that um the media played. A, a tough spot in that. Nationally, they, they really played a tough spot in that because they, um, they missed the mark on just sticking to the facts of right is right and wrong is wrong. You stick to that, you have to hold them accountable to just that. And then there's nothing else that's going to blur those lines. Because no matter who you are and how you look at it, you saw what you saw. And I would hate to think that could happen to me. And, and it's okay. I would hate to think that could happen to you, and it's okay. So it's tough to see that it happened to him. They can say what they want, but at the end of the day, your main message said it's okay, and it's not okay. It's not okay.
0: As we move forward from that, the, the thing that I have tried to hang my hat on is the hope that enough people will recognize the need for police reform within the Baton Rouge Police Department. Uh, And I I recognize that reform is a slow, uh, sometimes painfully slow process. Uh, But do you personally have hope that moving forth from this, based on this, based upon the incident that happened with the other police officer whose name escapes me, Uh, who's caught on radio saying we're going to write up the report how we want to write it up and we're going to do what we want to do. Do you have any hope that based upon these and other instances, there might be some reform to the way that the Baton Rouge Police Department conducts its business?
1: We always want to have that hope, um, but we just want to make sure that we have the right persons in place to implement things and not to hide them. Um, tell me a little bit about what you know about these cops, because here, in the state of Louisiana alone, mental health is an issue. So you mean to tell me, if he goes undiagnosed for X, Y, and Z, some of those X, Y, and Z's aren't on your force? They haven't always had issues? Go back and tell me how he acting in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. He's acting the same way as a grown man. Mm-hmm. But because he could pick up a badge and he passed this course and his training, it goes away? No. No, it, it doesn't go away. But if you have an issue with one and you report and then we just reassign them, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, if we show one that this is, you know, I mean, yeah, sure, we'll terminate you, but you're not going to serve any jail time for killing a man, you know, then they keep hope alive, too, that I don't have to change because, <laughs> you know what, the law going to work in my favor. So yeah. until change happens, nothing is going to change. So we have hope, but the other side of the coin has hope, too.
0: That's an excellent point.
1: You know, and it's said.
0: ITEP, Industrial Tax Exemption Program. Uh, The governor last year signed uh, a form that made it the responsibility of individual communities to determine how uh, industrial tax exemptions are levied. And then just the other day, uh, he pulled back from that and said that he's going to initiate some kind of a standard for the entire state to use as a matrix for uh, how these tax exemptions are applied. Together, Baton Rouge uh, has been the primary force trying to get uh, the industrial tax exemptions scaled in in, a, in such a way as corporations pay more tax dollars. I personally am in favor of that. I think that far too much money... Uh, is required of individuals like you Hello. and me uh, through millages, endless millages. Uh, I'm one of the few people who thinks that the Homestead exemption needs to go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can write me if you want to. I don't care. They will. It, it needs to go away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but we millage ourselves to death. There, there, there's a school tax renewal uh, uh, that's coming up for vote on the 28th. Uh, If 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 we paid our fair share in property taxes and if corporations paid more in property taxes, we wouldn't have to millage ourselves every time we have to fix a pothole or every time. if you sit in traffic uh, any day in this city and and it's even getting bad, I, I lived in New Orleans for a while. Traffic in Baton Rouge is getting to the place where it mimics what New Orleans traffic used to be, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's terrible. But we don't want to pay for things. And, and, and I don't understand how you expect to get things if you don't pay for them.
1: It's the blood out of the turnip. <sighs> yeah. You can't get blood out of a turnip. <laughs> yeah.
0: so, so when you talk to people who don't necessarily talk to me, what are their thoughts about taxes and and, and, and how we are taxed and, and what needs to be done?
1: And, you know, honestly, this isn't a conversation that comes up often, you know, um... We, we may talk about a lot of things, and they may have different issues, but I don't think it ever gets that in-depth about the taxes or the method behind the madness. They'll identify what's wrong. You know what? We have a pothole. Nobody's fixing the potholes. That's the level of the conversation. Or the schools need to be fixed. But I don't think that we're talking about it enough to put it in their minds to say, well, you know what? There's a process, and this is why your vote matters. We need to educate them about what's on the ballot.
0: Voting, yes.
1: We need to educate them about the process, because once we get them involved in the process and give them that information, empower them with that, then they'll want to get registered. They want to be a part of the difference. Then they'll say, well, you know what? Maybe I won't be taxed as hard. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? That's why I'm being affected? They don't know. Nobody's taking the time to talk about it. Well, Yeah, you see the news brief, but what does that mean? It's just like reading that scripture. I can read it. But it doesn't say the same thing to me as it does to you. I haven't spent enough time with it, Mm -hmm. you know. I I see it in in content in passing, but explain it to me. We aren't having those open door conversations, or to bring it up with X, Y, and Z because we don't think they're paying attention. It doesn't mean that it doesn't affect them because they're not paying attention to it the way that we may. And you see what our voting turnout is. Yeah. If people knew what their vote really meant, they would really come.
0: Yeah. And you know, I I hear people talk about the fact that voting is a privilege. Now for for black folk voting is a responsibility. It's a debt that we owe to those who made it possible for us to do so. Because unlike white men, we didn't always have the opportunity to vote. And people had to suffer, bleed and die for us to get that opportunity and I tell people all the time I don't care if it's a vote for president of the United States or if it's a vote for dog catch if it goes on the ballot you I'm should going be there. to
1: vote you should be there <clears throat> yeah so uh, I
0: appreciate you coming by and sharing your time with us. I know that you're a very busy lady. I keep trying to get you to come by on a Sunday morning and spend another Sunday with us. Uh, but I'm very grateful
1: I that you took that the time
0: soon. to come and share with us today.
1: You know why? Because I really enjoy your potato salad. <laughs> well, thank that you. That I do. Uh, so I, I, the next Sunday I'm in town, I'll be here.
0: Looking forward to it.
1: Same here. And thank you so much for having me. I appreciate thank you. Thank you
0: for coming by. And for and all And thank you, you for listening and watching. And we'll be back again next week.